0: Hello and welcome to Revelation On Demand Podcast. I'm your host, JD, and I am joined by my co-host, Chris.
1: Hey, what's up?
0: And uh, today we'll be starting with our our new podcast here called Revelation On Demand, which we are going to be looking into the book of Revelation. Chris, what do you think about Revelation?
1: I've been very uh, excited and I've been anticipating going over Revelation for quite some time uh it's my favorite thing to be brought up in church so yeah
0: yeah and i remember that we started talking about this a while ago and i, I kind of shared division the, the vision that i had been given by god for this sort of thing and, and just how i i felt called to go over this so that other people can hear what we 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 have come up with from uh reading through Revelation. so you want to tell people a bit about yourself maybe we can introduce ourselves so that people can get to know us before we dive into this because I mean we're both amateurs here so if do you want to go first
1: uh yeah sure uh so what I was thinking is most of this to me was something that could help me not only share the word of God uh reflect on our own personal beliefs both me and jD uh but also to uh, what, what's the best way to put this? To really develop a relationship with the public on what what exactly we feel about this as we go through it, and to have that, like he was saying, the amateur aspect where it could be you know a shared new experience, no matter the audience member.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's one. That's a big thing that I want to be upfront with on, on our listeners. On this is that we're both amateurs here. We're not seminarians we didn't go get any formal training i mean i'm just a bible nerd that was a ex-atheist a few years ago and i just fell in love with the bible and and there's just so much to be learned from the bible that i i felt called to actually start sharing this with people so that's where this 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 whole thing started was i i felt drawn to start taking the bible apart piece by piece and i personally have gone over genesis a lot and one of the big things was as I listened to this this guy named dr Jordan Peterson, and he goes over uh Genesis in like eighteen two hour lectures, which I just fell in love with and it was one of the first things that brought me to faith to begin with from being an atheist so this this is kind of my trying to pick up the torch on that and then carry it on and chris is you're 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 in love with the Bible too right
1: uh, I'm in love with. Anything I ever pick up from it, it's always been a very personal thing for me, just growing up, uh, having that outreach, too, from uh, not only the context of the Bible, but also the outreach I get from it. And it really does help uh, when you relate a lot of the stuff that you find in the Bible to everyday life. And it could be every other thing, if not every single thing you find, can be found on a personable, uh, personable level.
0: Yeah, and and something to to also keep in mind, we're starting this during the twenty twenty COVID nineteen lockdown, and uh, so Revelations, often referred to as the the book about the end of the world, and I've heard several people. I mean, not everybody, but several people think that this is one of the plagues that's coming up, and I, I don't seem, I don't believe that necessarily myself. I believe there's something we can learn from Revelations that will hopefully help us get through this. What's your take on that with today's uh, COVID-19?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, I believe in strength and numbers. And with what we have in the Bible and with the word that's been provided to us, the word of God, and throughout all the amazing men and women who've been providing word for this book since ancient times, uh, we can all come together and realize some very important things in times like this. I... Do share your opinion, where I don't feel as though this is the true finite end of the world without us clearly having what was laid out in Revelations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, and I, I think as we get into this, we can start looking at, like, what are the exact signs That'll happen. And one of my big things is when I read the Bible, I take it both literally and metaphorically. So I, I read the text literally. This is literally what will happen or has happened as you read the book because it is part history that way. But then also if you go back through and start uh, hyperlinking through other texts and, and taking apart the text a little bit, and you're you're looking below the surface of, of just the, the uh, literal you can start picking up other biblical um, ideas and, and – uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for?
1: Not just philosophy, but the, the history that goes with it. But you're talking more like on the on a spiritual level, mm-hmm. there's so much that's under the surface that isn't just what's portrayed by words.
0: Yeah, and, and of course we need to be careful when we're doing this because uh, if there is – such a thing as you know bringing in too much you know trying to make too many like this this happens big time with the uh the parables people will be like oh what's the dog the donkey mean was it res- resemble in the parable of the good samaritan you know and it's like it's a donkey it it, it doesn't have any more significance other than a, a kind of a, a story driver in that in that sense so we we do need to be careful whenever we're looking at the bible uh metaphorically that we're not bringing too much to it, something that it doesn't say. So,
1: Yeah, situational perspective. And that's something that Jesus really exercised well in his life. Um, I have a question for you. Yep. Do, do you know anything about the number seven?
0: Oh, yes. We're going to be talking about seven a lot in this book, aren't we? Do you know what the significance of seven is?
1: Uh, one of my favorite... Um, Long story short, one of my favorite things my pastor ever told me on July seventh, two thousand seven, was that uh, it's a perfect number. It's a devout number, but it's also the number that Jesus wears.
0: Yes, and uh, it's what I found was it's it's a holy number known as the number of completion, which we're gonna see in Revelation. Number seven completes a lot of things. There's the seven uh, trumpets, the seven bowls, and the seven plagues. That, that or the seven seals, sorry, not the seven plagues. And so, number seven is always the completing of every single set. So, and that's why seven is such a big number for us Christians because we it shows up a lot in the in the text. And of course, it is like I said, the number of completion.
1: Absolutely. Do you want to open us, open us up in uh, the reading of Revelation? I think we're looking at one through three.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, before we get going too far on this, uh, one big thing that everyone needs to keep in mind is uh, Revelation in ancient Greek is actually known as apocalypses. It's the Greek for it, which is where we get the word apocalypse from. So uh, that's kind of one of the big things that came and stuck out to me was that uh, we are known as the generation, you and me especially, that lived through so many countless end of the world scenarios, you know, it, like 2012 when the Mayan calendar was supposed to end, and and uh, the earliest one I remember was Y2K, the turn of the century when all the computers were just to, to stop. So I, I think it's interesting that Revelation is the literal translation where we get the word apocalypse from.
1: That is that is pretty interesting that um that we get that directly from Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, just considering the the regional History behind some of this But um, Why don't we begin our amateur's take On yeah. Revelation
0: Okay so I'll go ahead and start with Revelation 1-3 through 3. We're reading from the NIV The revelation from Jesus Christ Which God gave him to show his servants What must soon take place He made it known by sending his angel To his servant John Who testifies to everything he saw that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, what is written in it, because the time is near. Now that's 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 quite the opening to any book, don't you think?
1: That is. I mean, we're not only talking about a man that confronted Jesus, but also his primary mission in life didn't happen to occur until just now.
0: Yeah, and uh one of the big things was is that this is talking about John of Patmos, which most scholars believe is the John from the apo- or the um, disciples, uh, but there is some questioning on if this was just a follower of Jesus Christ who took on the title of John. The uh, of Patmos when he got this revelation. So, and, and this this is this is a message straight from Jesus. This isn't uh, this isn't uh, just one of those weird prophecies. This is one that he is handing down to John to bring back to the followers of Jesus.
1: Right, right. And uh, as as far as background knowledge, all you really need to know about John right now is he's in exile. For uh according to the book, he's an exile from the any from somewhere in Italy, I want to say it's around Rome they, uh, definitely Rome uh, because he was a preacher and he led his own church um, not only as a pastor and a preacher, but anything that he was saying in front of the empire uh, was frowned upon from the government there, obviously. So you
0: know, the, the Romans weren't very kind to the Christians near this time, and he was exiled because he was he was just trying to lead his congregation and, and the exactly. government said get out so and uh when I started getting you know inklings about making this this I read this this line three here, the blessed is the one who reads this aloud aloud the words of the prophecy and I just was like, okay this has got to be a God thing sort of thing. Cause I mean, I've, I've listened to revelation before, but I never really sat down and, and dissected the text like we've been doing. So sure. when when I first read that, I was like, okay, this, this has got to be what, what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and you know, that's what I'm trying to do is, is when God says, jump, I just jump. So.
1: No. Uh, yeah, I, that's, that, that's definitely relatable. I, I love how you say that where, um, blessed is the one who reads this aloud, um, not only the word of God, but how we share it too.
0: Yeah. No. And, and I feel like everyone, you know, pastors, when, when they're up here sharing in front of an audience, they're, they're blessed too, because we're, we're trying to bring the word of God closer to everyone. So we're, and then anyone who has the ears to hear, and that's just simply sitting there trying to Hear what God has to say to you, which is exactly what the point of this is. Is I don't care if this affects someone right now, or if in three years someone's listening to this and God has something to say to them, and they they hear this, great. You know, as long as one person hears something from God, I've done my job. Absolutely. Yeah. So the next section is called Greetings and Doxology, and that's a word we don't use for use. I don't hardly at all anymore. And this is doxology. It's just an old uh, liturgical formula of praise of God. So it's pretty much greetings and, and praise God sort of thing. That's what I got. Oh, okay. Yeah, greetings so, and doxology. So. No, it's it, it's this cooler word, isn't it? You know, so you go ahead and use it.
1: You know, I am most certainly going to use that whenever yeah, I.
0: That's that's what I was thinking. So let's go ahead and continue on with the text. Then I think we got everything we can from there for now. Now starting in verse 4, we're going to go through 6. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from who, him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithless, or faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from his sins by his blood, and has made us to be kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And I gotta say amen to that too because that's that's like, you know, after that start and then laying on this is like, John's laying down his street cred for this pretty much. I guess In, it wouldn't be John it's God that's laying down his street, street cred, huh?
1: This is what I'm telling you and this pays <laughs> off for your work, but Glory and power to who is the Father and, of course, the Son. Yeah. So, yes, street cred. About that. Um, I like how you mentioned that, because when we... Just just quick speculation. When we look at a lot of word that's been written throughout the Bible, whether it's uh, from a mere scribe of the throne or someone as dignified as Matthew... Uh, we wonder certain things like that, like, is this God's way of just showing his glory, or is this just to dignify whoever wrote it? And the answer is, is obviously neither of those. What it is, is he's trying to make this all the more relatable, give verifiable words to really solidify in your mind, okay, so I want to bring praises to God, but how do I go about saying that? And He's provided us with a way to really um, reform our thoughts, wherever it may be, just to um, bring bring more praise and bring more faith in your life.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, He's just He's pretty much reiterating to what most believers know is that God He he's loves us and He's He's brought us to further his kingdom, so I don't think there was anything else in there that we needed to go over. Is there do you got anything else?
1: Uh the only thing I was thinking about is we have our first hint of seven here. We uh what, do we?
0: No we don't. I think that's in the next section.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well we are starting with uh what we call First seven.
0: Yes, yes, the sevens will be come on, I believe, in the next section. Not the next one, but uh, do you want me to go ahead and read that next?
1: Yes, absolutely. Why don't all we right. go with uh, verse seven? Look.
0: Look, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega," says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And and that right there, that verse seven stands out to me because it, that's that's pretty much in my eyes the the signal that we're going to be looking for when when everyone can see Jesus Christ, believers and non-believers alike. Then we know now is go time, pretty much, right?
1: absolutely um, yes something we discussed the other day when we were reviewing some of this was um, that it lifts that physical barrier in our lives where we don't all accurately perceive spirituality to be what it is and that way we'll actually have that final confrontation and the first of what true confrontation Throughout Revelation, uh, with it's it's not best to dignify it as a spirit world, but what is true spirituality? How do these? How does God take form among the living? So on and so forth.
0: Yeah, and this is this is that start of where the veil between the two worlds is is starting to weaken, and in, in, in uh, heaven and earth are coming together at this point, and that's where that's that's why I think we're not anywhere close to a, a coming to the end of the world sort of thing. It's going to happen, we, like most people say, we don't know when it's going to happen, so you better just be ready for it, because it's going to be quick, and it's just like this. It's going to be a normal day, and then all of a sudden everyone's going to look to the clouds, and here comes Jesus sort of thing. And that that's that's how you'll know when Revelation is happening, because like I said before, the text is literal, but it's also metaphorical. So the literal Part of this is we will see Jesus and then we know it's revelation is coming. And that, so that's, that's just my take on it. There's a lot of different scholars who think differently and there's many arguments for their positions. I mean, there's some people who believe that we are in the end times right now and that this part has already happened with his first coming. I, I think I may have that wrong. I didn't look too f- deeply into it, but so, no, uh,
1: you know, you, you're uh, accurate. You're on okay, there. Okay. Um, so shall it be, amen. I mean, everyone will mourn because of him. Everyone will be able to see him, like yeah. what you were saying. And um cool part about this next thing is um, he he says he's prevalent in the past, present, and future, and therefore is the Almighty. Not only is his presence in all those three places, but he is the Alpha and the Omega to all of those three uh, current things, right? Those things are constant. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's that's one of the big things is that whenever God is trying to tell us something about how the world's going to take place, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us because we're stuck in this, you know, kind of temporal being, you know, with our bodies. We we understand time, and we we have a hard time looking beyond it. So this this whole understanding of God being. Then now and in the future is just it's really hard for us to wrap our minds around as temporal beings.
1: That is the most logical way I've
0: heard that been put. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of logical faith believers and and so that's that's where I get my theory that we're just not there yet. So if we continue on to John's vision of Christ, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Lacedo Lacedaonia. Sorry yes. about those pronunciations.
1: I can actually um, review that. I'm, I'm, um, did you get Usually the pretty good then? at. Yeah, I, I pretty much did. That second one always throws me off. The Smyrna, yeah, Smyrna. Smyrna, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, oh Pergamum. Theatira, Theatira, Sardis, Sardis. Philadelphia. At Laodicea.
0: Oh, it's Laodicea. Yeah. Okay. My sorry. My I'm learning Greek, but that didn't. It didn't read in my mind right. So, and we're gonna really dig into these churches in the next few chapters. So we're just gonna, you know, leave those seven there for you to think about. But these are churches that are in what's known as Asia Major, I believe. No, Minor. Asia Minor, in that area. All the way from Egypt into what's modern day Turkey, I believe, and into Greece. There's just seven of these major churches in those areas. And this is a letter that John is writing to these churches as they are dealing with uh, persecution and uh, just being taken advantage of by the local governments. And that's kind of where I got the idea that this would be a great, Book to kind of dissect so that we can help people get along with just how stressful the world is these days and how it can feel like the world's ending. You know.
1: <laughs> yes, and before we all verify that, just make sure you send, uh, you know, just check in with the seven churches. I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. No, the world's not ending. This is um. Anyway, um, I love the part where he said, I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet, to really signify um, the voice and presence of God. And we're talking about Jesus here, but in his son. And you'll see a little bit more of that um, coming up here in the next couple moments of what that truly means. Like, Jesus um, being there on the Lord's day is so significant. Um, and it, it'll be it'll be something that you'll definitely take a good look at once or twice. Mm. And um, yeah, it's a direct, I mean, they say here testimony, but um, it's just incredible. And also just to reference back, what I wanted to bring up too was the island's name is Patmos, where he's been, Exiled mm-hmm. too, and conveniently, significantly, he's there.
0: Yeah. Do you know what that means? Is did, did the island's name have a meaning or?
1: Uh, we'll have to do some research on that.
0: <laughs> okay, I I wasn't sure if that's what that note was about or not.
1: Well, I mean, mm-hmm. y- if you look at it, it looks Roman or Greek to me. Though so mm-hmm. it could be um a formal way of that that island was dubbed and was therefore given a name Mm -hmm. Patmos interesting Uh, was there anything else you wanted to know to that
0: oh the meaning of Patmos in uh, biblical names is mortal island of the mortal yeah so he is exiled to the island of the mortal so and he's getting a revelation about the end of the world it's actually kind of interesting when you start to, to sit there and think about it. He he's he's on this mortal island being given the apocalypse of the end of the world sort of thing. That that's kind of trippy there.
1: I agree. I agree. Okay. Um yes, I was I was just going to say the exact same thing as you. Yeah. Interesting how like um John receives this and like you can tell it was intended for his obedience. This is what you're going to do. And he doesn't even have to remind him twice to expect him to do it, I feel like.
0: Well, John, if this is John, the the uh, disciple, uh, he would, at this point, be already in his calling pretty well. You know, so he would be, this would just be another one of those things, God saying jump, and he's just going to jump. And I—that's—that's that's the kind of faith that I want to have someday. So, it's—it's it's kind of interesting that this is the first book I decided to go through with a fine tooth comb. Yeah, well, <laughs>
1: so. yeah, it's—it's it's going to be a wild ride. Right, we're already getting into some very deep stuff. Um, <laughs> verse twelve is definitely um, where we start bringing up that number thing again. Number
0: yeah. seven. Yep, and. Uh, Starting in twelve, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned and saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. Wow, that's just, that that's a crazy amount of visualization there, you know? It's just a lot to take in.
1: I, I'm glad you uh, you agree with me on this, because um, another thing we were talking about was, is there, in fact, a metaphor in that? where it talks about, um, you know, what with him withholding the seven stars, what he actually looks like is his sword, is his tongue an actual sword. And I believe that through this writing, it's not just meant to be a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, your face reminds me of the sun. It's also, right? I feel like this is what he physically perceived. And just like a, a this, being presented in the way that it is. I don't feel like it's a hint at something. It's what you get from it.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's more descriptive than metaphorical too. Um but when you get to stuff like the the double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, it uh it is referring to Jesus is known as the word. So his word is the power like he he is the word at the beginning in Genesis that created the heavens and the earth and so on. So when Jesus speaks, it is a powerful thing. It's not just like if you and I speak. I mean, I guess you can kind of see this with really high-end speakers that when they they use their words, they can use it in just a masterful way. And, and I do believe that this is what this is talking about. I believe John did see this, but it could also have just been for his ability to share this, he, he, when you're sharing dreams and in, in uh, you know, writing, it's not easy to, to make what the sounds would sound like. So I, I feel like this is more colorful than, than uh, literal. You know what I mean?
1: Hmm. I've taken that standpoint before too. That's a really, that's a really, uh, it's a sweet observation to think of. Am I, I I mean, huh? I mean, if you look at how old John is at this point, if you're saying it is truly the disciple John, then he could be partly impaired at this point. Might not be able to fully perceive with his eyes, but therefore uses his mind and spirit to fully manifest what is in front of him and was able to just manifest the spiritual representation yeah
0: yeah definitely and then this section right here is also littered with references back to uh, different prophets like Isaiah and then the story of Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego um, the furnace and then the white the white wool of the sacrificial lamb
1: the, the lamp stands are significant right, right. um to uh some of the tales that Jesus would um tell um potential followers and the public he always had a um he always had a, a physical key in stories he would tell to bring you people closer to god and would tell you okay so you only got so much oil in your lamp or mm-hmm. you know your wick is only going to get you so far so make sure that you presents it with uh, a better upkeeping and stuff like that. He liked to use objects very commonly and um, just to make it all the more relatable. Yeah. And uh, the lamp was one of them.
0: Yeah, and, and then the lamp stand in this particular passage is referring to the seven churches of the ancient world there is one stand for each of the churches, and then the stars are, as we come on to that, it is the seven uh, angels of the seven churches. So in that case, it is... He's he's used the lampstand metaphor before, I believe, in one of his parables, too.
1: Absolutely. Go. So why, why don't we go ahead and uh, start working on what 17. leads into verse the the latter two verses of the chapter that will talk more about of uh, the seven angels. Uh okay. real quick before that though, I like the quotation that happens to happen in this next part.
0: Mm, yes, this is this is a powerful verse. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, "Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one." I was dead, and now look, I am alive, forever and ever, and I hold the keys of the death of Hades, or of the death and Hades, sorry.
1: Interesting stuff. Yeah. I am alive, forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Though no, mm-hmm. more importantly, going back to that time spectrum thing, he's the first and the last. And you were just discussing that with Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the living one. I was dead and now look I mean the fact that the son of God still testifies to this day you know which was more modern um, during this era when this book was written it was more modern than the actual tale of Jesus and he would still make that part of
0: his driving point yeah yeah and then he of course says do not be afraid and and this this section right here reminds me of the, the the dream in Isaiah where he sits or falls before the throne of God in his vision. And that just made me think about like, I, if I was in the presence of God in that kind of manner, either in front of Jesus or, in front of the throne of God, I think I would much, in the same way, just, you know, throw myself down and say I am not worthy sort of thing. So I think this kind of reaction is pretty normal. I I don't know about you, but that's just, that's what I'd do.
1: (laughs) Well, I see everything with a double meaning. So I fell at his feet as though dead. Could very well mean, I mean, you know, you feel like he... You've even taken it from your body. I mean, you just went straight to heaven. I mean, here's the embodiment of God in his son returning. When I once knew him as a living man, all things considered, would definitely give that reaction of pure shock to that point. Um, double side to that would be, though, is... Like... it's It's just interesting to me that it would take place in the same manner... That Jesus cleansed the feet of his disciples, and what does he do? He falls to his feet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh... and and then the key, the keys of death in Hades. That's uh, Hades. Here we go again. Uh, translations. Hades is not a translated word. That comes straight from Greek, and that in Greek means uh the grave. So what it, what it's saying there is and I hold the keys of death and the grave which is what Hades in Greek mythology was known as the, the king of the underworld. But just Hades sure. when you see it like that it means the grave or or the place where the dead are
1: and being being uh you know up there in the Holy Trilogy, a trilogy, Trinity with God and the Holy Spirit, you, you think he would say something like, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to heaven itself. And he straight up tells it how it is. I hold the keys of death and the grave. Mm-hmm. And not to say that in a negative light completely. Um, yeah. That's just our way of passage.
0: Yeah. And and just just because he is holding the keys of death in the grave. He's, he's holding it for the purpose that he's, he's bringing uh, judgment down on the world at this point. So he he needs those keys because the people who follow him will follow him through this. And that's, that's one of the big things I've, I've taken from studying is that when the end times do come, we'll just follow Jesus. If we are, you know, saved and we're true believers in Jesus, we will follow him through whatever it is. And, that's what we're called on to do, even now, even when it's just hard times, and, and you know, or COVID nineteen. We're we're called to follow Jesus through this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I can't stress that enough either. Uh, and we don't we don't mean to be downcast on the idea that revelation is just, in fact, immediate judgment on the world. Um there's a lot of layers to this, so I mean, at the same time, it's also for what is bringing the 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 uniting of heaven and earth That's, yeah, you know our major thing here it's not just the end of the world so that everyone's gone, it's the uniting of us with our Father God, and you know the fact of the matter is is that that's still a part of the world itself yeah
0: yeah and and the world is coming together at this point with heaven so this is where we get resurrected and new bodies and stuff like that but if we'll just finish off with the last few and closing thoughts write therefore what you have seen what is now and what will take place later the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches, and that is the end of the passage. And I, I guess I kind of told everyone that that last part earlier, not even thinking about it. Um, and then this is this is Jesus's charge to John to write this and and go out and tell people about it.
1: Huh. Yeah, I think it's also would be kind of cool is now that we got through our first chunk of the you know the very first chapter of Revelation mm-hmm. feel free to read along with us that way um, you can compare and contrast some of the notes that we throw out there we are very talkative people here so um, you know we're, we're going to throw a lot of input in no matter what it is um, and I don't think there's anything not to say about this part but uh, I just wanted to throw my two cents in with that you know
0: yeah, and hang in there. We're we're new at this. This is our first ever podcast. If you couldn't tell, so hang in there and stick with us. We will. We promise to get better at this, and hopefully we won't have near the technical issues we had trying to get this podcast off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> this this episode was was a headache. Maybe we'll make a behind the scenes someday about how much of a headache this was.
1: <laughs> no, by yeah. uh. By my command, you must reenact everything that we've done, in, <laughs> mistakenly so far. Um, and speaking of commands, um, everything that he's telling John just from appearing, right, as he's praying, his spirit is, you know, projecting himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is a is a form of a command, like. Not just, hey old pal, can I expect this of you? It's mm-hmm. everything that he's, if you notice, everything that you pick up on here is a direct insinuation. I need you to do this. This is what I'm here for. Get it done. Yep. yeah. And I think that's a great attitude to start this off with.
0: Yeah. And that kind of sets the tone for what we're trying to do. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to carry out what God's telling us to do. So this is just part of that. And, Like I said, that first line, or the third line in the book was just confirmation that I needed when I heard God put this on my heart. Like, you need to do a podcast and get out there and talk about my book to people and help bring some, uh, some consolance to people and, and comfort. And, uh, we'll get into much more of the more detailed stuff next time. This is the first chapter which is kind of technical it's just an introduction to what we're talking about and it's kind of dry so we'll get into the much more colorful text in later podcasts uh Uh, right now our recording schedule is once a month uh depending on how things work out we may bump that up to twice a month but we'll just see what god you know leads us to do
1: right and uh you know something that I recommend too is just uh recapping on maybe the last few phrases or what really stands out to you for next episode if you're reading this through and just want to hear our input because uh that influence helps us in some way shape or form too. I do believe that um yeah and uh any any
0: other thoughts you got, Chris? I'll uh, close this up here.
1: Uh, The only thing I really got to say is just be prepared next time for uh, what John does specifically about this.
0: We'll we'll be going into chapter two or yeah, chapter two in the next episode. And hopefully, hopefully we will get through the entire chapter in one episode. Uh, That's, that's the goal. We'll see if it happens. If not, then uh, it might be a two part episode, but um, you got anything else, Chris, or can I close us out?
1: You are more than fine, J.D. God bless you, and thank you for having me on today. Yeah,
0: of course. Thank you for being on. And thank you, listener, for listening to Revelation On Demand. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family or, member, or church member. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless you, and see you next time.